Thanks for listening to the Sundays at 3 podcast. This week, hear from Pastor Ed as he teaches on Luke chapter 6 and the call to be disciples of Christ. We're working our way through Luke, and we're in the sixth chapter. And last time we looked at um, two incidences uh, with Jesus ministering on the Sabbath. And... um, his challenge to the Pharisees as to their not understanding what the Sabbath was all about. From that point, we pick Jesus up as he's about to select his 12 disciples, apostles. And so we're going to begin reading in verse, or chapter 6, verse 12, down through verse 19. It was at this time that he went off to the mountains to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles, Simon, whom he also named Peter, Andrew, his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called a zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place, and there was a large crowd of his disciples and a great throng of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were being cured. And all the people were trying to touch him, for power was coming from him and healing them all. Well, what has been happening? Why, why do we have this little story, this uh, uh, vignette of Jesus uh, at this point? Well, the resistance of Jesus to Jesus is growing. There's not just dissatisfaction they're beginning to plot how to deal with him. In some scriptures, we read they're plotting how to kill him. So Jesus is aware of the significance of this rejection of his message and of him. Jesus knows this is going to culminate in his death, and he senses that the time is growing near. Jesus knows the importance of his message and his mission. He has disciples who have been learning at his feet, seeing his power displayed, watching the people both praise him and hate him. These disciples are the pool from which Jesus is going to draw his leaders who will carry on his mission of bringing the message of the kingdom and of God's salvation in him, in Jesus, provided for us. Disciples are those choosing to be apprenticed by Jesus. If I'm choosing to be a disciple, I'm signing up to be apprenticed. I'm not signing up to just take a class and get pass-fail on it. Uh, if I, I'm, I'm all in if I'm, if I'm choosing to be a disciple of Jesus. I want him to apprentice me. I want to learn not just what he does, but who he is. Uh, one person describing this talked about, if I, if I go to plumbing school, I learn how to be a plumber, but I know nothing about the teacher. If I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus... I do need to know what he expects, how to do those, how to learn the skills, how to learn the the issues of the mission, 
but I am to learn about him because he becomes the model in which all of these uh, skill sets are birthed. He's the one who organizes that. And so it's more critical that I know him than I know the skill set, if you will. Those who are opening themselves to his influence and showing a willingness, willingness to follow, even in those moments when trust is required more than understanding. A disciple is willing to trust even if they don't quite understand. Now, that doesn't mean I'm being foolish. We, I drive a car, I don't have a clue how it works. <laughs> but, but, but I trust you know, it's gonna get me where I'm, I'm going. And so we're not talking about being foolish, but we are talking about being willing to take risks based on what someone says and believing that they are so trustworthy that even if I don't understand it, I am willing and I believe that if I take a step in that direction that I'm being led, I'm gonna be okay. And so if I'm to be a disciple, I want to be apprenticed by Jesus. So Jesus is going to choose his leaders from this group of disciples. So he sits down and begins to list the pros and cons of who might be good to choose. No. <laughs> Jesus goes up into the mountain where he spends all night in prayer and then comes down and chooses. These moments in Jesus's life were the hinge pin upon which all the rest of his journey will swing upon. This decision will move his ministry and teaching in a new direction. It will expand and extend the ministry of Jesus and the kingdom. All night in prayer, listening to God. These disciples will become apostles. They're messengers, if you will. But these are not just ones as if they have a message to bring. That is, this, this concept of apostle is one who's sent, and it often has to do with me messages being uh, uh, carried back and forth. But these are not just sent ones as if they have a message to bring. They bring more than a message. They bring the presence of Jesus and the power into the places they enter. These apostles are entrusted not only with the message of the kingdom, but with the power and authority of the king. The apostle Paul uses the term ambassador. He refers to the apostles as ambassadors. He says, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God was making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Now there's the message. Ambassadors speak with authority for their sovereign, but these apostles do more than speak with authority. They demonstrate the power and the presence of Jesus and his kingdom. Jesus is about to make one of the most important decisions of his ministry. And he heads off into the mountains to pray, and he prays all night. Jesus does this several times in his ministry, where he recluses himself and spends the night in the presence of his Father. In Matthew 14, 23, it says, After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. If Jesus is my model for living out my life with him, if he is the author of my salvation as well as the finisher of it, to live this out well means I need to find ways to be available to him. I need to be more, I need to be before him to request as well as to listen. One commentator said that when Jesus was on the mountain all night, 
alone. He wasn't filling the air with words. He said his knees before his father. He was involved with, what's that? You can't read it? Is that the Intense issue? listening. <laughs> Intense listening is where we're going. <laughs> so one commentator said, that when Jesus was on the mountain, he wasn't filling the, words with, the air with words, but after he set his knees before his Father, he was involved with intense listening. Our growth in prayer is the practice of listening. God knows what our needs are even before we speak, the Scripture tells us. But we don't know how he is going to respond to our requests unless we learn to listen intently. Intense listening involves finding a space, being alone, quietness, calmness of mind, and attention to the voices that are inside of me till I hear his voice. Either affirm, direct, or redirect my request. We hear God in the inner man. So we often need wisdom to sort that out. This voice is often commingled with the voices within us. Does that make sense? We have these inner st struggles sometimes. We hear, we think, we process, we, we, we uh, get ideas, we manage all this stuff. And, and as I'm learning to, to listen for the voice of God, some of these things that I'm thinking begin to make unusual sense, or they seem to be right, or there's, there's this nudge, this, this sense of, of, and it is subjective because what I experience, I can't make you experience. But even those subjective experiences over time, we begin to recognize that they have objective value, that I can trust them, and I can operate on what I hear in my inner person. We hear God in the inner man. His voice is often commingled with the voices within us. We often need a space. We need aloneness. We need quietness and calmness of mind to discern this voice. The nudging of my father through his spirit to us. We need to learn to listen intently. Well, morning comes. Jesus has heard from his father and he calls his disciples to him and he calls out the names of the ones he and the father have selected. So the disciples are around Jesus, or a group of them. There's still some down below. But there's a group with him, and Jesus, and we don't know how he does this. I, I don't know how Jesus does this, but my guess is that he looks at this group of men, and he says most sincerely, Peter, come here, Andrew, John, Matthew, and he calls them to himself. Jesus has chosen each one of us just like he chose them for who we could become through his ministry to us. Now, he's not calling us to be apostles. But the point is this. When Jesus called these men to himself, it's the same way he calls us to himself. He calls each one of us for who we can become through his ministry into our lives. He doesn't look at the crowd and go, oh, there's a winner. Uh, there's a winner. Oh, yeah, Peter, you're a real winner. Yeah. <laughs> and we know that's not true. And so, uh, but he, he sees the hearts of us. And he calls us to himself. 
He calls us for who we are. Most of us were in great need when we chose to become his disciple. His work in us, if we will allow it, can change the course of our lives in ways we could never imagine. I stand here as a testimony I could never imagine in my life that I am here or that I have been a therapist and I, I could never imagine that those dynamics in my life at the time I gave my life to Christ. When I gave my life to Christ, I had nothing to give him but my life. <laughs> there wasn't anything to bring to the, to the table. He chooses us as we are, and then he commits to molding us into his image and into a future we could never suspect. So it's important to stay supple, if you will, in his hands. Welcome the work of the Spirit. Open your mind to his truth. Engage in the fellowship of his people. And the future, even in this moment right now, is and will being formed in you. Now Jesus with his apostles and disciples that are still there go down to a flat plain. And there's a lot of disciples down there too, it says. And a huge crowd, a huge crowd gathers. Now, what do they gather for? They gather for two things. They gather to hear, it says, and they gather to be healed. Now, this last verse that we're looking at here is a transitional verse in Luke because it both concludes what we've just read, but it also introduces what's coming next. Because Jesus doesn't begin with teaching, he begins with healing. It's the teaching that follows this time. Jesus heals first and demonstrates the presence of the kingdom, and then he teaches about the kingdom, what it values, and what its qualities are. Luke says that the power was coming out of him, and people were wanting to touch him, and apparently as they did, the scripture says, they were healed. Well, the good news as we go through this is the, is the power isn't, the power is still available. Healing goes with teaching. Everywhere in the scripture, we see time after time after time, the ministry of Jesus and his teaching ministry includes healing. Words are important to explain the kingdom, but it's God's power that demonstrates the presence of the kingdom. And this power flows from him and him alone. The presence of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' life is the same Holy Spirit that is present in you and with us in the community of believers. This community, this community, is the body of Christ, and his spirit is present in a unique way as we gather in community and as we open ourselves to his presence and power. We can become conduits of his presence to bring his gifts of healing, insight, comfort, and deliverance to all who are in need today. Remember that the desires of Jesus have not changed, neither had his methods. He wants you to hear the message of his coming kingdom. He wants you to know that the sacrifice of his life was for you. He wants to reach down and touch you through the presence of the Holy Spirit. He wants his body, the church, to be a conduit for his spirit 
to touch lives. It's important for us to understand that we don't have to have an apostolic ministry to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit in power. So what do we need? We need the belief that God can and will come among us. That he, as we give his message, wants to minister to our lives. And in many ways, that's not for me to say. Even if I'm making a point in my sermon, that's not for me to say what God might want to do in your life. And so we're going to move into a time of prayer and minister to one another as we sense the Spirit directing us. Those people around Jesus could reach out and touch him. We can do the same in prayer. We can touch his heart of love for us and ask him to send the Holy Spirit to touch us. Thanks again for listening to this Sundays at 3 podcast. Join us again soon.